Chapter One of The Widow Married, a sequel to The Widow Barnaby. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Céline Major. The Widow Married, a sequel to The Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. Chapter One An incomplete narrative resumed. An unexpected blessing. Preparations for happiness the philosophy of resemblance all persons tolerably well read in biography are aware that the amiable mrs barnaby ci-devant miss martha compton of silverton after having lost her second husband the rev mr o'donagough from the effects of an unfortunate accident which occurred to him near sydney in new south wales bestowed her still extremely fair hand on her former friend and favourite major allen but the events which followed these third espousals though unquestionably of as much general interest as any which preceded them have never yet been given to the public with that careful attention to the truth of history which they deserve and it is to remedy this obvious defect in english literature that the present narrative has been composed the existence of mrs barnaby this name is once more used as the one by which our heroine has hitherto been best known the existence of mrs barnaby up to the hour in which she pledged her vows to major allen before the altar of the principal church in sydney had on the whole been a very happy one she had in fact very keenly enjoyed many things which persons less fortunately constituted might have considered as misfortunes and to the amiable and well-disposed reader a continuation of the history of such a mind can hardly fail of being useful as an encouragement and example mrs o'donagough on the day she married major allen was exactly thirty-eight years of age at least she only wanted two days of it and it is possible that her wish to enhance the festivity of every scene in which she was engaged might have led her to name her birthday as that on which her third wedding should take place had it not been that a sort of dislike which she had taken while still martha compton of silverton to the unnecessary dragging forth the date of the day and hour at which people were born still continued she therefore said nothing at all about her birthday but prepared for the solemn ceremony with as much tender emotion and as delicate a bloom as when she first pledged her virgin troth to mr barnaby born under a happy star a pleasure yet awaited mrs major allen the want of which she had often lamented and of which her hopes had long since withered and faded till at length they assumed the worn-out aspect of despair but in due time after her third marriage mrs allen communicated to the major the delightful intelligence that he was likely to become a father major allen behaved exceedingly well on the occasion professing his entire satisfaction at the news and adding with newly awakened paternal forethought if that is the case mrs allen we must mind our hits as to money matters and take care that our little evening card parties answer to this mrs major allen had not the slightest objection but how powerful is maternal feeling in a woman's heart though she failed not to render her little sydney soirees as attractive as ever though she walked about the room and behind the card-players as usual never forgetting a single instruction given to her by her ingenious husband notwithstanding she did all this her heart was almost wholly in her work-basket it was really beautiful to watch the development of a mother's feelings in a heart which had never yet been awakened to them for instance mrs major allen had never shown herself in any country particularly fond of poor people but now she never saw a woman in her own interesting situation without feeling her heart or at any rate her attention drawn towards her and many a question did she ask and many a copper coin did she bestow in consequence of this most amiable species of solicitude 
during the first months of her residence at sydney she had not perhaps chosen her intimates among the most domestic ladies but now the case was entirely altered there was an excellent woman a mrs sheepshanks the wife of an attorney enjoying great business in the town who had more little children than any other lady in it and with her mrs major allen now sought to form an intimacy of the most familiar kind she delighted in nothing so much as stepping in to call upon her as soon as breakfast was over and entering with her even while her nursery avocations rendered everything like regular conversation impossible into a sort of zigzag intercourse between saying and doing that to any one less delightfully alive to the innocent attractions of little children must have appeared exceedingly tiresome mrs sheepshanks poor woman like all the other ladies in the settlement found it very difficult not to say impossible to keep any decent servant in her family the few young women who deserved the epithet getting married themselves with such certain rapidity as to give every reason to suppose that mr hood's interesting anecdote of an offer of marriage being made through a speaking trumpet to a vessel approaching the coast with young ladies aboard must have been founded strictly on fact at the time mrs sheepshanks and her little family took such hold on the affections of mrs major allen the only attendant the attorney's lady had to assist her in the labours of the nursery was a girl of seventeen whose domestic education not having been particularly attended to left her with rather less knowledge of her duties in such a situation than might have been wished the confusion therefore which sometimes ensued in this department of the household was considerable but mrs major allen bore it all nay she rejoiced at the excellent opportunities this afforded of obtaining information concerning many infantine facts of which she had hitherto lived in total ignorance mrs sheepshanks who though sometimes a little fretful was in the main a good-natured woman always received these visits very kindly and indeed her respect for mrs allen was so great that she considered them as an honour for mrs allen had with friendly confidence mentioned to her how near she had been to marrying a lord of which indeed her beautiful shell necklace gave the most convincing proof and she also explained to her the very foolish bit of fun formerly recorded about the old clothes by which she offended her wealthy aunt and so lost the chance or rather the certainty of becoming her heiress these and many other anecdotes of her former life she had recorded in a manner which left no doubt on the mind of mrs sheepshanks respecting the distinguished rank of the society in which she had mingled in the mother country dear me mrs major allen only to think of your doing all that with your own hands exclaimed this kind-hearted mother of many colonists i am sure if it was not for the interest which i know you take in all these little matters just at present i should be actually fit to die to see you do such things never you mind mrs sheepshanks returned the major's lady i can't tell you how it all interests me pretty little darling it shall do everything it likes that it shall laugh a little bit then that's it laugh again baby laugh 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 kiss 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 tickle 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 blessed sweetheart i am sure it knows me and again mrs major allen applied the pap boat to the last-born sheepshanks mouth though the overfed and intelligent infant immediately returned the superfluity without ceremony how do you think i hold a baby my dear demanded the anxious aspirant to maternal dignity oh very well very well indeed considering only you must mind about the pins little van diemen is pursing up his mouth now very much as if he were going to have a cry and he mostly cries when he gets a pin into him observed mrs sheepshanks little van diemen here gave the most unimpeachable testimony in favour of his mamma's sagacity for they had a cry and such a long and lusty one as might have daunted any novice of less firm spirit than mrs major allen 
she however hugged the little screamer tightly to her bosom and though it did not seem at all to comfort him held him there very close indeed for many minutes swaying her person backwards and forwards incessantly while one widely extended hand pressed firmly upon the upper joint of the vertebrae and the other upon the lower part of the infant's person kept it in a position as likely as anything short of suffocation to still the sound it is no good my dear mrs allen said the mother he'll go on that way till he's undressed again i'll bet anything just stop till i have finished combing these two and i'll look him over myself oh do let me undress him from top to toe cried mrs allen eagerly i have never done that my own self yet and i cannot tell you how i long for it will you let me try mrs sheepshanks yes sure if you like it stand still eliza can't you i am only afraid you'll find it a great plague in him screaming so why i should like it better if he didn't to be sure because it frightens me and in my situation that is not exactly the thing however it is quite needful i should get my hand in not but what i shall make the major give the highest of wages and that you know if anything can will get me a nurse so that i shan't have more to do than what my maternal feeling naturally leads to but nevertheless it is quite right and proper that i should know all about it myself there's a darling now continued the fond mother expectant addressing the still screaming baby there's a love just let me untie these strings only these strings my beautiful darling there there now donty wanty these last words being uttered in the coaxing idiom of her native country attracted the attention of the nursery-maid of all work who at that moment entered the room this girl having some years before accompanied her mother in a voyage from london under circumstances that by skilful management had rendered the excursion young as she was equally necessary for both was apt to boast of her metropolitan education and particularly prided herself on her parts of speech well now what does donty bonty mean i should like to know you'd better give over the child to me ma'am i knows his vase and he knows my words the style in which this dainty damsel who was frightfully marked by the smallpox approached was not conciliatory for her red arms were stuck akimbo and her nose always of the retroussé order turned up in very evident contempt mind your manners phoebe cried her mistress but phoebe strode on towards the low rocking-chair on which mrs major allen was seated and placing herself before her as close as it was possible to stand while a pair of squinting eyes that were intended to look boldly at her seemed wandering heaven knows where repeated in no very silvery tones you'd better give over the child to me upon every former occasion when mrs major allen had mixed herself up with the nursery arrangements of her friend the scene of action however active and interesting the business going on had always been the parlour but this happened to be washing-day and the absence of phoebe being absolutely certain till dinner-time mrs sheepshanks gave herself up altogether as she said to supply her place and nothing less than the pertinacity of mrs allen could have obtained an entrance into the house once pursued however into that receptacle of all litter her nursery the poor lady was perhaps not sorry to have some one as willing as mrs allen to nurse a baby for she had made up her mind that day to have a general review of all her children's heads and accordingly the major's lady was put in possession of the nursing-chair and permitted as we have seen to revel in the delight of handling a baby to her heart's content so earnestly was she engaged in unravelling the manifold mysteries of baby buttons and strings that notwithstanding phoebe's abrupt address mrs allen did not raise her eyes towards the girl till she stood close before her face and when at last she did so 
she pushed the chair violently back very nearly let little van diemen fall out of her arms and uttered oh good gracious me in a voice that almost amounted to a scream lord have mercy what's the matter mrs allen cried mrs sheepshanks pushing aside the head upon which she was operating van isn't taken with a fit is he by this time the agitated mrs major allen had risen from the nursing chair and having hastily laid the baby in the cradle beside it she approached her friend with strong symptoms of agitation for heaven's sake come into the parlour with me for one moment my dear mrs sheepshanks she said i will not detain you more than a moment i am going home directly but indeed indeed i must speak to you first dear me i don't know what to do i'm sure with the butter and beer and all lying about in this way wouldn't it do mrs allen if i was to come in and hear what you want to say after dinner good heaven no you have no idea of the state of mind i am in indeed you must let me speak to you directly thus urged poor mrs sheepshanks though looking exceedingly distressed resigned her sponge and her combs placed everything upon the chimney-piece as much out of reach as she could wiped her hands upon her linen apron before she took it off and then followed her terrified-looking guest to the parlour oh my dear friend tell me your opinion honestly and truly i conjure you not to deceive me you have had great experience you must be able to form a judgment do you think there is any danger of my child's being like that dreadful girl what girl ma'am what is it you mean mrs allen said mrs sheepshanks looking a little cross and as if she did not as yet perceive any good and sufficient reason for her having been forced to abandon her important avocations in the nursery what girl oh with a violent shudder that frightful frightful girl that you call phoebe for heaven's sake mrs sheepshanks don't be out of temper don't be angry with me but consider my situation though i have been a married woman as you know for some years this is the first time in short you know what my condition is and now i implore you to tell me if you think there is any danger nervous and delicate as i am that my looking up so very suddenly close under that horrid girl's face is likely to mark the child what with the smallpox mrs allen said mrs sheepshanks with great simplicity i don't know mercy on me how should i know smallpox squinting that dreadful nose too oh mrs sheepshanks mrs sheepshanks all the happiness all the delight i have promised myself will be lost and destroyed for ever if my child is born in any way like that horrid girl here mrs major allen burst into a very passionate flood of tears and wrung her hands so piteously as she fixed her streaming eyes upon her neighbour's face that the good lady though thinking her cause of grief rather visionary could not refuse her sympathy and answered very kindly no indeed mrs allen i don't think you have got the least bit of reason to fear any such thing it is much more likely depend upon it that your dear babe should resemble its good-looking papa or your own self mrs allen who have got such good striking features than a girl that you never happen to look at but once that's it mrs sheepshanks that's just the most shocking and provoking part of it if i did not know that the major had always been considered as exceedingly handsome and myself too i won't deny it for why should i i was always counted something out of the common way in that respect and if i did not know all this as well as i do i should not mind the thing half so much but why should your child be like phoebe perkins mrs allen the girl is no beauty to be sure i'm not going to say she is but yet i can't understand why her ugliness should put you into such a way as this 
replied mrs sheepshanks with some little severity of emphasis for mercy's sake don't be angry with me my dear dear friend for mercy's sake don't reproach me something very unfortunate will happen i'm quite sure if you do you can't think i am certain you can't how i feel twas the suddenness mrs sheepshanks the shocking suddenness with which i looked up that made the danger as i take it tell me for pity's sake without being hasty with me did any such thing ever happen to you what thing mrs allen the seeing phoebe no no that i suppose you got accustomed to a little at a time as i may say and by degrees so unlike poor unlucky me but what i mean is if any of your children were ever marked in any way dear me no mrs allen replied this fond mother of many children with a very natural air of displeasure can't you see that they are not oh yes to be sure not in sight not in sight certainly sobbed out the agitated lady nor out of sight either i assure you ma'am oh my dear what a happy happy woman you are and so many of them like you too rejoined mrs allen in so very flattering and conciliatory a tone that her friend's little feeling of displeasure vanished at once and cordially seizing her hand she said don't you worry yourself about any such nonsense my dear mrs allen you go home and look in the glass and there it is that you'll see what your dear baby will be most like there was something in this assurance so calculated to touch the heart of mrs major allen that she could not resist it with an emotion over which she really seemed to have no control she threw her arms round the neck of the kind prophetess and bestowed upon her a very fervent kiss heaven grant that your words may come true my dear dear mrs sheepshanks she exclaimed with her eyes once more flashing through her tears i do declare that if i could have a girl exactly like what i was when captain tate first came to silverton i should be the very happiest woman in the world well then i'm sure i hope you will but i suppose you like it to be a little like the major too said mrs sheepshanks playfully oh about that i don't know my dear if you could know what i was at the time i talk about i don't think you'd advise any alteration unless it was to be a boy indeed and then i suppose you would be better pleased still most ladies like to have a boy first but i don't though replied mrs major allen rather sharply that's all very well for people who are never celebrated for having anything particular about them but where there is beauty and great family beauty particularly it is certainly most desirable to have a girl because it's likely to answer best well then returned mrs sheepshanks rising hastily for she heard sounds alarmingly indicative of a general nursery riot well then dear mrs allen go home sit down before your looking-glass and take my word for it there is a deal better chance that your child will be like what you see there than to poor pock fretton phoebe good-bye good-bye mrs major allen delayed not a moment longer but took leave as briskly as mrs sheepshanks herself could desire there was certainly something like superstitious respect in the reverence with which mrs major allen listened to every word apropos of maternity which fell from the lips of this lady looking neither to the right hand nor to the left and terribly afraid that some acquaintance might stop her ere she reached her home mrs allen hurried forward with as rapid a step as she considered prudent under existing circumstances and the moment her door was opened to her hastened upstairs without pausing to make any of the little domestic inquiries which usually followed her return for a moment she sat down to recover breath and then slowly and carefully and without too much exertion permitted herself to draw the table which served her for a toilette into what she considered to be the most advantageous light 
not the strongest perhaps but that which by former experiments she knew would show the most favourably to her own eyes that large portion of her charms still left unscathed by time having hazarded this active but unnecessary exercise mrs allen placed herself in a soft and ample chair and sat for some minutes of complete and soothing repose with her mirror at the right angle and her own still bright eyes very fondly fixed upon it the motive for the occupation in which she was employed perhaps gave an additional charm to her expression and she thought she was almost as handsome as ever there was however none of that dangerous confidence of self-conceit in mrs allen which leads some people to fancy that they are quite handsome enough and need no improvement on the contrary in her very best days she had never encouraged the belief that her beauty remarkable as it was required no assistance from human ingenuity and skill she knew the contrary and even now alone as she was and under the influence only of motives the most pure and sublime that can elevate the heart or the art of woman she shook off the feeling of fatigue with her exertions at mrs sheepshanks had occasioned and ceased not to add touch to touch and divide and subdivide ringlet from ringlet till as she gazed on the finished picture she felt that there was no more to be done a poet has said that industry to beauty adds new grace and though it is probable that this expression originally alluded to labours of another kind it is impossible not to perceive that it may be beautifully applied to the charming woman whose image is now before our mind's eye nothing surely can be imagined more touching than the occupation and appearance of mrs allen at this time and a painter would do well to seize and embody a moment of feeling so calculated to find sympathy in every female heart we all know that pretty women love to adorn themselves for conquest and we smile though with no very harsh satire at the vanity that flutters the while around their fair bosoms but how different was the spectacle offered by mrs major allen as she sat in her lone chamber in van diemen's land her whole soul occupied it is true with the idea of her own beauty but in the hope not of slaying whole hecatombs of lovers with that beauty as perhaps she might have dreamed of in the giddy days of yore but of transmitting it to a dear pledge of wedded love who should carry it down through unnumbered generations of posterity callous must be the heart and lifeless the imagination that does not kindle at this image End of chapter one